You're listening to War for Idiots, a podcast by idiots for idiots. I'm not so, recording, just because you can see those lines running, doesn't it? Is that recording or not? I'm not going to No, you need to tell me because we've been here before. You yeah. are recording them. Uh, look, there's a difference between whether or not I'm recording or whether or not I'm recording. Everybody thinks it's recording, step forward. Don't worry. Okay, ladies and gents, boys and girls, people from all around the world, welcome back to another episode of War for Idiots. I'm Rich the Cretan. And I'm Mick the Dolt. And those are two different words for idiots, but we are indeed the idiots that you have been looking for. And we're back, Mick. Uh, people said last episode, it's probably going to be the last episode you ever did, but we managed to make it back. We defeated the odds and we are back again with another podcast. We did two episodes last time, actually. We did two episodes last time. One vanished and this is officially our second episode. And today we are here to talk to you guys and girls all about this old dude named Sun Tzu. Bless you. <laughs> but before we do, uh, we have got some really positive feedback from our first episode. Uh, so we got a couple of emails I thought I'd quickly go through now. So the first one is from Nathan from Queensland. Do you want to read that one out? Yeah, Nathan from Queensland says, you two are a pair of idiots. He didn't really say much more than that, but I don't think it matters. Thank you very much, Nathan. I don't uh, care what you think of us, just keep listening. Correct. Keep, uh, keep listening and keep those downloads coming. Okay, so we got Jimmy from America, uh, and he wrote to us saying, you guys know that Dolph Lundgren is not actually German. Obviously, we referenced Dolph Lundgren in the last episode. Yeah. We're aware he's not German. Uh, I just plugged a, a random European country. We know he's from Russia, yeah. uh, as displayed in Rocky Three, Rocky Four, Rocky. No, no in, was it Rocky Four? Yeah, Rocky Three was the guy from the A team. Got it. Okay. Dolph so, Lundgren wasn't in the A team. He was in the Expendables. Okay. Okay. So anyway, we know he's from Russia. Thanks, Jimmy. Keep on listening. And finally, Michelle from the UK writes. Big Carl, as in Carl von Clausewitz, who we spoke about last episode, would definitely agree with you, Mick, that cholera indeed sucks. So yeah, cholera I, sucks. I think that's I think that's a very good comment there. I Michelle. think it's, it's a, probably the most intelligent comment we've received. It could be a quote. Uh, could be something that will be remembered for a very long time. So, ladies and gents, boys and girls, welcome back to War for Idiots. WFI. WFI. We are ha- Hamish and Andy of War. Now, unsure if we have the copyright or indeed are allowed to say that. The lawyers will tell us. I'm sure when Hamish and Andy listen to this, they'll let us know whether they're happy with it or not. Hmm. Um, but that's pretty much how we look at ourselves. And I think one day, you know, we'll probably be above that. So we're here to talk about war. Now, we're, we're talking about war and today we're going to talk about Sun Tzu. Uh, but we're going to talk about it at a, an accessible level, the, the idiot level, which is what we sort of tongue-in-cheek call the ourselves. The simple level. The simple level. Now... We're not here to discount the significance of war uh, by any means. We're just here to talk about it and make it more approachable. But most importantly, we're here to escape our wives and children for one hour each week. One hour each week. Now, Mick and I can say that because the chances of our wives actually listening to this are very slim because they think we are idiots and then some. But before we start, you know, we've gotten into a habit now of starting each episode with a quote. I don't know if you've done it once, if it's a habit. It is a habit because we've done it once and this is a second time. Mick, would you please read out today's quote? Yeah, I like how you give me the quote to annoy all our US listeners, but I don't mind. There is a providence that protects idiots, drunkards, children, and the United States of America. Now, this quote is from... Otto von Bismarck. Otto von Bismarck is a 19th century Prussian. Uh, He was a statesman, of course, not to be confused with the 20th century Otto, who is infamous for driving the school bus 
in The Simpsons. I think I think that auto is actually protected by that providence. That's that's right. Now, look, I like this quote uh, because it talks about drunkards. It talks about children. Uh, and in aggregation, I think we come across as drunk children, you know, talking about war. I like that Otto's middle name was Edouard Leopold. Oh, really? Yeah. That is a cool nickname. I might need to have another kid for Edouard Leopold. And, you know, uh, Otto von Bismarck also infamously said, laws are like sausages. It is better not to see them being made. And, of course, I love a good sausage. You do love a good sausage. Uh, I like to consume the meat. Okay, so we're going to talk about Sun Tzu today. Yeah, let's Let's go. Let's talk about Sun Tzu. So, Mick, you're the smart one. Tell me all about Sun Tzu, please. So, Sun uh, Sun Tzu, he was a Chinese general, apparently. Um, So, Mick, he literally just used physical air quotes quotes. (laughs) while we're recording a podcast. Well done, Mick. They they could see that. Hey. Well done. Okay, so he was... A, All right, that was, was my soundboard saying shut up. No, so he was this uh, Chinese general that and military strategist that, uh, as the legend goes, no one knows whether or not he actually lived, but mm-hmm. let's assume he did because it makes life a lot more fun. And yep. we don't have time... We don't want to shorten the episode <laughs> yeah, right now. Um, so he lived and he was uh, employed as a strategist and mm-hmm. he had this very famous way of um, teaching... Um, the strategy. So what's the time frame we're looking at here? Uh, we're looking at back, uh, it's the Warring States period in China, so it's around 544 BC. Okay. Um, that, that, that's when he was born and when he died around about 496 BC, which I find amazing with all this debate going on, whether or not this guy lived or died. Yeah. Yet they've got his birth date and his death date. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, the debate whether he existed, but yeah. if he did, he was born on exactly yeah. this date yeah. and died exactly yeah, right. this date. He yeah. may not have existed, but this is his birth certificate. Yeah. WFI. <laughs> WFI. Uh, yeah, so he's a Chinese strategist, philosopher. He is the author, amongst probably others, of the collection of works known as The Art of War. So The Art of War is by far the most famous thing. I would probably argue the, the concept of The Art of War is the most famous writing on war in history, like from my you know very shallow background of readings. Yeah, well, I did an Amazon search to see how many books on The Art of War you can get. Mm. And it is at... 5,865, and that's just using the keywords art of war. Yeah. But not all of them are necessarily about the art of war. Some of them have pictures of limousines on the front. What, like, what is that? There's a, that's a limousine there. The art of war, Sun Tzu, yeah. and there's a picture of a limousine. That's... Yeah, read by Jim Donaldson. Um, okay. If you're not familiar with any of Jim Donaldson's work, I don't recommend it because I don't know him <laughs> either. Infamous limousine author. Infamous. Um, but then again, we've got a French dude who we'll probably cover later, Jones. Mm-hmm. He's on there. So there's Machiavelli. So the art of war is a pretty general term. However, when people say the art of war, yep. this is generally the book and the dude they're talking about. So there's this guy. His name was Sun Tzu. He was, a, he, was a, <laughs> he was a Chinese general and he wrote the art of war. Um, you told me before we started recording that there's a funny story about him and yeah. concubines. Now, this is a family show, so we're going to keep it pretty clean, but I think this story needs to be told. Yeah, so concubines are just lady friends. Um, so basically, Sun Tzu was employed by this uh, king to um, sharpen up his enemy. Um, it was... Uh, was it that guy? King Chow of Chien? Uh Maybe. The guy from the Chow Dynasty. Anyway, that's what I'm looking through to start my book. Anyway, he was asked to demonstrate his method to see whether or not he'd get the job. And his method is like as a general, yeah, or as a, a general, strategist. yeah, yeah, yeah he's okay. strategist. So what he did was he got all the uh, kings, um, and we've got to call them kings of emperor yet because I don't think the dude became emperor for a while. 
uh, and he got all these concubines lined up, all these lady friends, mm-hmm. and uh, he started teaching them drill movements. Now, yep. for those people that don't um, necessarily know what drill is, those people who are a bit WFI like us, mm-hmm. drill is what you see on a parade ground. Soldiers marching around, being ordered to the beat of a drum sort of thing. Yeah, so a bunch of concubines, left, yep. right, left, right. Yep. These were not soldiers, though. Yeah. So he got them up there and told them to do the drill movements. Yep. There was a little bit of giggling and messing about. He asked them if they understood the drill movements. Classic concubine behavior. Classic. Yep. They said they did, so he reissued them the orders, and they said they stuffed around again. Okay. They didn't say anything, actually. Well, they probably said, hey, look, you're pretty funny doing that. Everyone laughed. And his response to pick out the instigators, the king's favorite concubines, Mm -hmm. he lopped off their heads. Cut off concubine heads again. Uh, nothing that we would condone here at WFI. No. Just a lesson from history. Just a lesson from history. So why did he cut their heads off? Because he wanted to instill discipline in the army and show them how important it was. Also, he wanted to demonstrate to the king that once the army had been handed over to the military leader and the political objective had been set, WFI listeners will remember that whole political objective bit, yep. that it was the general's... Um, way and the general's authority on how the army was to be implemented so this is a very sort of contentious issue particularly these days but back then give me the objective i will deal with the army with all your concubines yeah well you go i think gave the concubines back after okay. the job so look i think I the concubine so. story uh is not only interesting uh it's got the word concubine which is fun to say to it's be a quite good honest. word it's a fun word um did it exist did Sun Tzu exist and does it matter if he actually existed? Before we go into what he actually spoke about, do we need to know whether he was real or not? Or are we just happy to know that this book exists and just follow the book? Well, I just found a unicorn book come up in the outer wall. But yep. I would argue, regardless of unicorns, unicorns. like unicorns, yep. it's not important whether or not he existed yep. because people have read this text that's attributed to him yep. and they've based theories, tactics, practice and war upon it for millennia. Yeah, and as we go through, we're going to go through a couple of the concepts that come from the art of war, whether he was real, whether he uh, had a thing for these concubines and cutting their heads off, you know, it's that's more of a side tale to the, the very concepts and the philosophy that he's trying to share within his books. And what we'll see is uh, some of the theories uh, from Sun Tzu uh, and from Klaus that we spoke about last time very much relate to each other but very much oppose each other as well and, and it's this opposition of theories that allows us to really get into the depths of what is our personal theory and how do we see the world so I, I really agree with you he may existed he may not existed doesn't really matter but what is important is there's some stuff there that we should read we should understand and we should try to fathom okay so let's talk about the first uh philosophy or the first concept that Sun Tzu wrote uh, and, and sort of what that means to us. And the first thing that I, that I would like to speak about is the quote, a very short one, and that is, war is a psychological contest, not a physical one. Okay, so war is a psychological thing and it's not actually a physical one. What is, what is I mean, this is the opposite concept that comes into my head when I think about war. What do you think about war? Bombs, tanks, explosions. Sun Tzu, what do you think about war? It's a psychological game, man. Okay, Sun Tzu, what do you mean by this? Well, he's not saying if you're in the army, you need to go sit on your shrink's couch. I think that's important. Okay, because I don't think they used the word shrink back in ancient Chinese times. That's what you're saying, right? No, I'm I'm sure they did. I mean, a lot of them probably followed Sigmund Freud's theories. 
that no, war as a psychological contest means you need to defeat the enemy's mind in and understand how he's thinking. Once you understand how your enemy's thinking, he or she these days um, can help you win war without a battle. So I suppose, yeah, the, the point he's trying to get across with that is war is the application of force onto a piece of land, sea or air, probably more land and sea back in ancient China. But you need to think of the deeper level of what war actually is. And, yeah. you know, this ties really nicely into uh, when we talked about Clausewitz and, and his quote, uh, is that the aim of the war needs to be understood. And, and once the aim of the war is understood, uh, the understanding of how to psychologically win that war, not just physically win that war, then takes precedence over the physical one, w yeah. which is slightly misaligned from what Clausewitz said. Clausewitz was very much a fan of, yes, uh, there is a psychological aspect of war, and to win that, you need to win the physical aspect of war. Yeah, and I think if we went deeper... Oh, yeah. And ladies and gents, 12.33, the soundboard has come back out. I apologise and congratulate you at the same time. Um... You know, if we went deeper on Clausewitz, we would have seen him talk about the will and everything, but he was primarily focused with the destruction of the enemy's forces or the occupation yeah. of the capital. And we will, go, we will go to those areas. And we've got those. But the interesting thing about um, Sun Tzu is he had a priority of attack. Now, I went through these yesterday and I've already forgotten them, so don't quote me on this because you won't get any marks if you're a uni student if you're quoting me. Yeah. But he said, you know, the first thing you have to attack is the enemy's strategy. Yeah. The second thing you have to attack is the enemy's alliances. And this is priority order. So if you beat his strategy, you don't need to attack his alliances. Yeah. If you if you can't beat the strategy, attack the alliances. If you can't beat the alliances, the third thing is to attack the fielded force army. And then finally, the fourth thing to attack is the uh, fortified city. So back in ancient China, if you had a city, you didn't put a wall up around it, and we yeah. know they were big on walls in China. Um, then it great was harder. Gra they have great walls they in China. Great walls. You know who doesn't have great walls? Matt Damon. Horrible, horrible, horrible acting oh, yeah. in that great, have you visually seen spectacular film. Is it a good yeah. I haven't seen it. Yeah, we might have to do a show on it. We might have to do a show on that. Anyway, so what that, what's important about that is it shows the focus. The number one yeah, priority yeah, by yeah. this general was beating the strategy, which is a psychological uh, framework. Yeah, and I think just the very concept, and you know, like all these things, Sun Tzu and, and Klaus, which he's not telling us what to do. He is telling us to start thinking about things in a different way. And, yeah. and if you're about to engage in war and, and you were to stop and say, hey, okay, uh, war is a psychological contest, uh, not a physical one. I'm about to go into this physical contest. But if I start thinking about the psychological aspects of it, things might start to unfold a little bit differently in the physical contest you're about to partake in, you know, into the psychological one. So, look, I, I think it is a bit... Uh, blase when you first read it you know I mean war is a psychological contest not a physical one that's a sentence that you can just sort of skim read and skip past very quickly but if you break it down you know in, in detail I think you can get quite a bit from it so uh, the next quote which I would like to talk about it's a good quote it's a good quote it goes for it's two sentences so bear with me quote being victorious a hundred times in a hundred battles is not the most excellent approach Causing the enemy to submit without a battle is the most excellent approach. So you can be victorious a hundred times a battle. This is not the best way to be. The best way to be is to be victorious without actually having to battle your enemy. Now, look, I read this statement. I read this quote. Uh, and the first thing I wanted to say to Sun Tzu was, Zui, uh, 
could you possibly please get more vague about battles? This is just the most <laughs> vaguest quote in the world that makes like it doesn't make any sense at all. Like if you want to win a battle, the best way is to not battle and win it. What what are you, what is he trying to say? It's it, it, it's it's pretty confusing when you first read it up front. Do you think his dad ever called him Sunny Boy? <laughs> sunny Sunny Boy, get over here. No, maybe I don't know. Maybe after this quote, he would have. Yeah, he's just like thanks, but I don't think this quote is necessarily about being vague or he. He might have been that vague. That's a great way for success, as we've known in some of our Absolutely. study classes. You give a vague thing out there, people go, "Oh, that's really deep." Hey, it's Mick, it's, Mick, do you want it's some Mick cooked deep. Do you want some ice cream, Mick? Yeah. Uh, what is ice cream? Yeah. Oh man, just say yes or no. Just say yes, please. <laughs> um, but uh, I think you know when ice cream is mentioned, I'm usually Yeehaw! on board. Um, oh, Jesus. But people like like him because he's vague. But what what he's saying here is linking to that first concept. Yeah. You know, um, winning without a battle is pretty good. Yeah, look, and, and it does very much tie into that first concept. And, you know, I, th- I think about this as, a, as a, someone who understands the tactical approach and, and it doesn't really make much sense to me until I realize a tactical situation in which I have many different options up my sleeve. And then you start to think, okay, um, I could win this battle by attacking that enemy front on. Got it. But could I achieve the same outcome by doing something completely different? You know, and it's about thinking about why you're there, thinking about what does success look like? What does winning look like? And then discovering, Sun Tzu is highlighting to us that, think about what you want to achieve here, because there's many different ways to achieve that. Uh, the most uh, gung-ho way, you know, no pun intended, is just to go in and battle. Um, but he's saying, you don't need to just go in and battle. Maybe you can do something else, achieve the same effect. So look, uh, sometimes I would read a statement like this and just say, this is a, uh, a, a no poo statement. You know what I mean? Yeah, got it, yeah. be victorious hundred times, got it. If I could do it without fighting, got it. But I think this very quote is why so many people really appreciate uh, the art of war and really appreciate Sun Tzu as a theorist because you can make anything you want out of this. You know what I mean? You can apply, be victorious hundred times in battles, uh, but if you can do it without battling, that's the most excellent approach. You can apply that to business. You can apply that to limousines. You can apply that to unicorns. People have applied that to dating, and I don't know how that works. Exactly you right. have to be very careful in what you define as the battle. Exactly. And Sun Tzu says these things, which are on the full left-hand end of the spectrum, uh, which is completely vague and really makes no sense. And then you can traverse all the way to the right hand of the spectrum where you can actually get some quite detailed direction from this very, very simple quote if you apply it to, to whatever is applicable to you, be it war, be it battle, be it life, be it business, be it relationships, be it unicorns, be it limousines, you know what I mean? So I think this is why people love it because you can just take his theory, his philosophy, and you can apply it to anywhere. I'd just like to point out that uh, Richie used his left and his right hand to I, illustrate I, his point there. Really so I'm not the only one that is assuming like our to, listeners can like, see us. I like to speak with my hands. and, and Yeah, it doesn't work for the microphone. They tell a story. They tell a story. So uh, the, the next aspect, of, uh, of Sun Tzu, uh, probably I would say the, the statement that sums up the last two quotes, the, the one that really uh, resonates with me is this one. That is, supreme importance in war is to attack the enemy's strategy. So supreme importance in war is to attack the enemy's strategy. Nick, talk me through this one. Okay, I will talk you through this one whilst I find a really cool uh, Sound. In fact, mixed strategy. When, when I read this, it was like it shattered 
something in my head. No, uh, attacking the enemy strategy is like what we talked about before. Um, And we we can link this back to Big Carl, and hopefully we can continue to link this through the theme of WFI, but that's a little bit more preparation than what we put into these shows. (laughs) But the basic premise is, I'll go back to your uh, idea of a frontal attack. And if we're taking uh, the military strategy point of view and the strategy is the use of battles uh, for purposes of the war, to win the war, and talking about a frontal attack, well, if the enemy's strategy is defensive to to destroy your army yep. as you enter his killing ground when you do your frontal attack, bypassing that enemy, isolating them, and cutting them off from their lines of supply yeah. defeats his strategy because you're not even going to walk into that killing ground. You're going to look at that killing ground and you're going to say, not today. No! Thank you. So, so, ladies and gents, I think you have underestimated how impressive a sentence in which one word is made up of the soundboard and the second is made up from Mick. That, that is a great pod right there. That is a great pod right yeah, here on WF. Well, that's probably the, the best you can expect from us. Right? <laughs> that's exactly right. Um, I think that's a really good example. And, and that's a very tactical and simple example. Yeah, I like to keep it simple. Instead of just fighting the enemy where he wants you to fight, go around where is he getting supplied from cut off that line and you have defeated his strategy and look attacking the strategy seems to make much so much more sense to me and and i think that this quote really really makes you think deep you know if you just think all right that's the guy that's the girl that i have to achieve victory what are they doing to achieve their own victory thinking what what is that enemy trying to achieve what is their outcome okay they want to achieve X, right. So what is the system around them? What is the strategy that they have incorporated to make sure that they achieve X? It's Y and Z, right. So instead of destroying X, I'm gonna facilitate the destruction of Y and Z, and by consequence, X is gonna fall down anyway. So, you know, this X, Y, and Z analogy, which is trademarked to WFI, I think it's a really good way of just looking at it, understanding what, what the enemy wants to achieve and how they're achieving it and attacking that how, which is going to be a bit of a gap in their in their defences. You know, that's a really, really profound way to look at these things. Yeah, I want to read something that's really profound and deep. Okay. Um, it is, well, I'll read three. Uh, and as water shapes its flow in accordance with the ground, so an army manages its victory in accordance with the situation of the enemy. Yep, thanks, man. That's so, really path of least resistance. Yep. yep. Yeah, Bruce Lee, obviously, this guy Reddy's Bruce Lee. Uh, and as water has no constant form, there are in war no constant conditions. I think that's pretty important. Yep. You know, everything's changing. And this uh, final one links directly into that quote was thus, one able to gain victory by modifying his tactics in accordance with the enemy situation is said to be divine. Yeah, so understanding the enemy situation and not just going in with your preconceived way of how you're going to win the war, but understanding the new picture that's in front of you, the adjustments of flexibility that you can achieve to defeat that new picture it is really the Sun Tzuian way of going forward. Yeah, knowing your enemy. Be like water. Be like water, my friend. Hey, that is super deep. That's it's super actually deep. actually styling off a dead guy, but it's cool. So um, I think these are really good. I think these are really good things. War is a psychological contest, not a physical one. Don't be uh, a moron and approach it in a purely physical sense. Think about the psychological impacts of it. You can be victorious 100 times in battle, 
uh, that is a, a good way to be. But even better way to be is to cause the enemy to submit without even having to battle at all. Why so, get dirty? Why get dirty? And the supreme importance of this war is to attack the enemy's strategy. How is the enemy want to achieving his victory? That's not proper English, but that's fine. Talking that's what I was written in Chinese. We're talking so something okay. here. How does the enemy want to achieve his victory? And then attack the how, not attack the end state. Um, so these three things in, in aggregation there, Mick, are they relevant to today? What can people take away from them? What, what can you take away from them? What, what would you say to someone if they said, hello, Mick, how are you? Uh, Sun Tzu, please define who he was and what he said and how I can learn from that. So one of my first things would be when someone goes, Sun Tzu's not for me because it's 2017, mm. I bring out a little, for there has never been a protracted war from which a country has benefited. How are we all doing at the moment, people? So I think we can apply these series, it's a bit like Big Cup, and you know, he's a little bit more modern, uh, but you know, the technology he was using is not necessarily the technology we're using, and the technology Sun Tzu was using isn't what we're using. So it's not about the tech, and I think people get focused on, you know, ancient times must have been unsophisticated because mm. they didn't have a smartphone with a soundboard. Yeah. It's not about the soundboard, ladies and gentlemen, unless you're on the show. Unless you're on the show, it's amazing. But what we can apply Sun Tzu thinking and we've kind of touched on it with the psychological aspects the idea of not needing to fight a battle and the importance of attacking enemy strategy is thinking about and you said it perfectly path of least resistance using your mind brain your mind brain your yep. mind brain rather yep. than your muscle brain yeah to fight the enemy so that you can conceive of a victory rather than conceiving of a fight yeah look and and talking about mind brain and talking about muscle brain um, you know, we use those terms to, to, to try to be funny, and I think you'd all agree we, we're achieving that. But yeah. I think that Sun Tzu is, is not saying that there is not a place for violence. He, he's not saying that war uh, needs to be divorced from the reality of existence. He, he's act, in fact saying that war and violence and armies need to exist to achieve what countries need to achieve. Now, you know. He's, he doesn't say that don't commit war. He's just saying use your army to attack things that will defeat the other enemy's army, not in fact the army itself. Um, that the, Not only that, but if you don't have that army, if you don't have that ability to wage war, then you're, you're defeated from the very start. You need to be able to defeat that enemy strategy. You need to be able to cause the enemy to submit uh, without having to battle. And to do that, you need some sort of force to do it. So, you know, Sun Tzu, I think, comes across as very philosophical, but you need to understand that, although he's not always talking about war and destruction and going forward and killing, um, he, in fact, is implying that you still need to be able to do those things, but it's just a more subtle application of violence to achieve the end state of what that nation wants to do. So, you know, I think very much Sun Tzu is extremely relevant to today. And I think a lot of guys at every level can take away something from him. I, I agree. A practical example for you history nerds out there is uh, the Battle of Borodino. Big Carl von Clausewitz was there. Napoleon's army defeats the Russian army. Russians withdraw into the interior. Napoleon marches on Moscow, gets defeated by the terrain. The Russians knew Napoleon's strategy was to defeat their field of force. The Russian strategy was, we're just not going to surrender. We're just going to keep retreating until he stretched him out. So I wonder if Napoleon read Sun Tzu. Uh, maybe there's some listeners that can tell us. Very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. That was super impressive. That was with no notes, Mick. Um, you, in fact, did, uh, indeed have a big brain. So what does the normal person, what does the junior commander, what does the, the normal day idiot take away from Sun Tzu and what we're talking about here today? Well, I'll tell you what I took away 
from my my shallow understandings of Sun Tzu. Sun Tzu really highlights to me that when you have to deal with the problem, you need to not look at the problem in a simple format. The problem is not one plus one equals three. It, it, that, that, I don't think that's even right. No, the, the, uh, wait, I'll check. I'm yeah, get, get your phone out. He literally has his phone out. So the problem is not as simple uh, as... No, that's good. It, it's not just a simple problem, but every problem can be complex. Every problem should be viewed as complex. What do I mean by that? Well, if you go into a situation, let's use that very common uh, attacking a, a, an enemy defensive position. If you look at it as a problem that's wider than just you and the enemy and the attack that you need to achieve, That's, that was excellent. That's charge. Uh, that's charge. I was, I was a little bit late. Yeah, a little bit late. <laughs> but in fact, it goes to the opposite of what I'm trying to say. Um, if you look at it as a system, a systems of problems and start understanding what is the system that I'm about to wage war with, that I'm about to battle with. If, if you can think of a context of systems at the tactical level, then you truly are applying a Sun Tzu approach to how you achieve that tactical warfare. If you can understand that it's bigger than just a simple problem in front of you and make that simple problem more complex, not, not to confuse you, but to understand the different dynamics and the different uh, roads towards the, the same victory, you're gonna be able to start looking at these things as something that can be solved without having just to apply your force, without just having to apply your firepower. You'll be able to apply your brain power uh, and ensure that you can find a different way to solve these problems. By using your mind brain. By using that big bad mind brain that uh, some alien put in your head thousands of years ago. So, uh, Mick, that's Sun Tzu. That's uh, Sun Tzu. Any final words on Sun Tzu? Uh, look, there's a couple of translations out there for Sun Tzu. Now, I'll give my recommendation. I've also been told about a few others. And I'll tell you the difference about the two main translations that I know of. So that if you're going out there to buy one, you can make a semi-informed buy an idiot uh, decision to purchase. Yeah. yeah. So the one I have is a translated uh, by Samuel B. Griffith. That's probably the most widely sold one. Uh, and it's actually got a forward by B.H. Littlehart. Uh, it's not too bad, it's quite good. It's definitely translated for the uh, military strategist in mind. There's yep. also the Thomas Cleary one. Thomas Cleary is a, uh, he's a expert in Asian languages. So his is a little bit more focusing on the literary power that comes out of the document itself. And, and what do I mean by that? Chapter six in the Griffith translation says strengths and weaknesses. Chapter six in the Thomas Cleary translation is emptiness and fullness. Mm. So there's a little bit of a difference there, but basically just be a little bit discerning when you're buying it because you don't want to buy the art of war and then find out it's got a little bit down the bottom that says for chess. Yeah, and yeah. then you find out you're really good at chess. Or limousines. Limous that's the weirdest one. That's the weirdest I've ever seen. Fullness and emptiness. That's in fact, I, I would think, would be good nicknames for us. Yeah. I think I would be fullness uh, and you would be emptiness based off a lot of the things that you say to me within the comedic realm. That, that's based, based on my current diet, I think I'd be fullness. So um, the, the, the one thing I would want people, listeners to take away from Sun Tzu, uh, and this is for your, your practical application uh, to military endeavours, is to me, Sun Tzu is all about talking about an operational level of war, an operational level of war, a level of war where you have choice, where you have choice of command and control, and where you can influence uh, the application of yourself in many, many different ways within that sphere of influence that an operational level of war dictates to you, which is a, a control of uh, smaller tactical areas that you need to operate in. So that, that's the one thing I think you can get away from Sun Tzu. So if I was to say, hey, Sun Tzu, who's it for? I'm probably talking about tactical up to operational commanders. Yeah. 
I mean, we're not saying strategists can't get benefit from it, but you've got to do a whole lot of interpretation exactly. of the statements. Exactly. And if you're a uni student out there, what can you get from it? You can get all that stuff uh, and then more and apply to anything that you want to within whatever realm that you specialize in. Probably a discount at your local bookshop. <laughs> Insert name of sponsor bookshop here, looking for a sponsor bookshop. Exactly right. Okay. So we're about to sign off. Uh, I don't mean to make you all sad. Before we do, Mick has got some stuff to talk about. That was for all our Canadian listeners out that there. Was, I think it's got something to do with hockey. Hockey, uh, not something Sun Tzu did often, is no. my understanding. Uh, though he was a big Raptors fan, and I'm not sure if that's basketball. Anyway, <laughs> I'm not the best at sports ball. Anyway, let's let's get super duper serious. Um, I want to talk to our listeners about something very close to my heart. Mm. Uh, merchandise. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so for those of you who've been following our social media channels, you'll notice that we've set up a very limited merchandise range. Mm-hmm. It is uh, aimed at just a few knickknacks here and there. And knickknacks is, well, I don't need to translate it. If you don't know what knickknacks is, Google it. Everyone's got Google these days. Everyone is smart. Use well, your phone I, for something else. Again, Mick, I didn't want this podcast to be polarizing, but you just assumed everyone had Google. We're going to have the anti-Googlers <laughs> sending emails to us now. It's uh, okay. I am using a Apple device with Google, so oh I am what Mind's you would call blown. a polymath. Anyway, uh, log jump onto our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash war for idiots, or jump on our Twitter page, which mm. is at war numeral four idiots. I couldn't get their handle in time. It's actually registered by a defunct account, so I'll just keep reporting them to Twitter. We'll steal their handle, job done. Um, but look at the merchandise. There's only a few things on there. We have yep. a very limited range. One, because we have a very limited budget. Yep. Um, they're in the pricey region, but that's because they're a limited edition. And they're awesome. They're um, awesome. We would love to hold some up and demonstrate to you right now. But one, we don't have any yep. in this room. And two... My hands are doing air quotes all the time. Yeah, so, <laughs> as you can see. <laughs> yeah. All right. So jump on. Follow us on Twitter at War Numeral 4 Idiots. Don't include the word numeral and also follow us on Facebook Facebook's going to be our main platform for engaging with you our idiot listeners okay idiots of the world ladies and gents boys and girls we hope you enjoyed our take on Sun Tzu okay so until next time I'm Rich and I'm Mick and remember we may be idiots but so are you take it easy everyone War for Idiots is a TDP production All opinions expressed by individuals on the podcast are those of the individual and not necessarily representative of any other organisation. The music used during Wolf Idiots is Fireworks by Jazar and is used under an attribution share alike 3.0 international licence.